What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast, Dog Mom Mentality, where we strive to play with dogs and not emotions. I am your virtual bestie, Caroline, and I have my furry friend here, Layla, and we are going to give you a break from your day to talk about all things dogs and emotional well-being. If you have ever been emotionally affected by your dog, then this is the podcast for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome back or welcome. I am so happy that you have found my podcast and that you are here to learn more about dogs or take a break from your dog or just have a space to relate and feel comfortable having all the feelings about your dog and about life because that is what we're here to do. And I'm so happy that I can provide a place for you and everyone else to fill that. I, I realized that I haven't done a reintroduction of myself for the podcast in quite some time. I was listening to another podcast and they did a reintroduction of themselves. So I was like, oh, I should do that for myself. So here it is. My name is Caroline. I am 24 years old. I'll be 25 in May. And podcasting and content creation and the journal that I am working on is my part-time gig at the moment. And then my full-time job is to, one, be a dog mom to Layla. That is definitely full-time. And then, two, I am a software engineer for a telecommunications company. I am engaged to my partner, Bobby. We have been together since high school, and then we are getting married in September. So super excited about that. Have been doing some planning, actually, today. And so, yeah, I think that is like a reintroduction to myself. And the whole basis of this podcast is is just to have a safe space to talk about dogs, feel your feelings about dogs, good and bad, Talk about how your dog has inspired you or empowered you or what lessons you have learned from being a dog owner and then what a dog mom mentality means to you, me, and my guests. So I'm so excited. I'm happy that you are here and thanks again. So I talked about this a lot on my last episode, but I am in the process of developing a journal specifically for dog owners to help you better manage your emotions and expectations with your dog and then also give you a space to learn how to reflect on your experiences and learn from them and hopefully just give you a reason or a space to kind of let out some of those feelings so that they aren't bottled up and provide some emotional intelligence and help you learn and kind of just be like a space for you because we all have these feelings that, you know, on our walks. Just yesterday, Layla was a mess, kind of, (laughs) on our walk and I had to put my feelings aside for a second so that I can guide us home in, in the best way possible. But then whenever I got home, I allowed myself to decompress and journal and, and meditate and do like some self, self-soothing self type of things. So I want to provide a tool and a place for you to do that as well. So I am developing this journal. It will come out 
sometime this spring, but I need your feedback. So there is a link in the show description to a market research survey. It should only take you about five minutes, and if you could fill it out, I would be so appreciative. And I'm randomly doing drawings for Starbucks gift cards, so if you decide to put in your email at the bottom of the survey, you will be in a raffle for a Starbucks gift card. And to watch out for the announcement about that, you have to follow us on Instagram. So go and do that if you haven't yet. It is at Dogma Mentality. But I feel like most of the people on the podcast or that are listening to the podcast come over from Instagram. So I would be so appreciative. I want to make the journal the best possible for each and every person. And part of that is just getting that feedback from you. And so you might have a perspective that I might not think of or something that you want added in there that you think would benefit a lot of people. And I need to know that so that I can make the journal reach its fullest potential. I've had this dream about the journal since last fall, and I'm so excited that it's starting to come more of a reality. And I'm, I'm really excited that other people are excited about it and appreciative of it as well. I think it's going to impact so many people And I think that's what excites me the most is that it's going to allow others to have a space to feel. And I think the more people that we give that to and the more emotional intelligence we as a community have and more empathy as a community that we have, I think not to be dramatic, but I think like the world is going to get better as a whole. And so this might start with a small change in the dog community, but overall I think it will make waves to set us up as, you know, just a better lifestyle for a lot of people. And so I'm excited about that. So yeah, not to be like in my feels or dramatic, but I do have this like small feeling, this like gut feeling that I'm doing a part to change the larger world. (laughs) Okay, anyways, my happies and crappies for this week. What are they? So I think my happy is a few things, actually. So one, this week in general has been a less stressful than the last time I was recording an intro to the podcast. I feel like whenever I was recording my last intro, I was super stressed out. I had a lot going on. I like wasn't getting much sleep. And this time I feel like I'm a lot more just at ease, I guess you could say. I don't have as much going on. I feel like I have more control. Um, I got some things for the wedding planned out. So I got the caterer and I feel like now that I have the caterer done, I have like the bigger portions of wedding planning planned out, which is really nice. And I think my other happy is that I actually have someone editing my podcast now. So whenever you're listening to this, Alyssa, I am like so thankful for you. (laughs) And I'm really excited about that just because one, it's going to give me more time, but two, in the future, it's going to allow me to have more episodes put out. So instead of every other week, I am going to transition sometime here soon to publishing episodes every week, which is really exciting to me. I'm so excited to have on more guests, more opportunities to talk, 
more opportunities to share. It's just really exciting to me. So that is my happy, or I guess my few happies. And then my crappy is, like I said, Layla had a pretty bad reaction the other day. She got really anxious and it kind of left me feeling like I had zero control over anything. It was like one second we were playing and it was fine. And then the next second, it was like reality hit her. She realized the things that were around us and she got really anxious and stressed. And so that kind of hurt me a little bit just because it bothered me that it was like a sudden change and that I couldn't really pinpoint what made her get anxious. It was just like all of a sudden reality hit her and she was like, oh my gosh, there's a skateboarder, there's a car, there's like this sound, there's basketball, um, like the world basically. And so yeah, I just felt like I was a little bit out of control in that moment, but we did get home safe and sound. We're all good now. And so after this, I'm hoping to take her on the same walk that we went on in the same place. And hopefully it's going to be a better experience. That is my hope. You have to take those moments and, you know, reflect on them in your journal that you are going to have one day and figure out, you know, maybe what you could have done better, but also, you know, acknowledge that it, that's what happened and that we are going to move on and have a better experience next time. Today's episode is super informative. It is with Kristen from Winston the Aussie Coonhound on Instagram and her and her dog are a therapy dog team. So it was really cool to talk to her and we kind of go into what a therapy dog is and some of the different pressures she has as a therapy dog handler and how she takes on those responsibilities, especially while she is out and about with Winston. So Kristen is a occupational therapist and a doctoral student living in Maryland with her rescue Aussie Coonhound mix, Winston. Winston is almost two years old, sweet and snuggly, and is also a certified therapy dog through the Alliance of Therapy Dogs. They have been working as a pet therapy team since April of 2021, so almost a year. Happy anniversary to you all. And through their teamwork, Kristen has seen firsthand how Winston and other therapy dogs can bring joy to so many people's lives, but it has also taught her valuable lessons as a dog owner and handler. This is a very informative episode. Like I said, we talk about balancing the stress and the anxiety and the expectations that she has and goes into with each therapy dog session. And I also thought she did a really great job of explaining what a therapy dog is and the difference between a therapy dog, an emotional support dog, and a service dog. So super great episode. I hope you all enjoy and take something out of it. And I think she is a fabulous example of how you can have a really good dog. You know, they went through the the training for therapy dog and she still has some anxiety and some fearfulness in some situations. So I thought this was a great example of someone who their dog might not be reactive in a sense, but they still have some of these feelings about being a dog owner that you know, other dog owners experience. So without further ado, we are going to get into experiences and expectations as a therapy dog team with Kristen. 
Okay, today we have Kristen with us, who is the dog mom of Winston, the Aussie Coonhound, if you follow them on Instagram. Um, so, so excited to have you on. Um, I'm super excited to talk about therapy dogs and that whole topic and, and really educate myself and hopefully like the, the listeners will learn something new as well. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming on. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. How are you doing? I am doing okay. Uh, <laughs> been been a, a long week and a long month, a yeah. long year so far, I guess. Uh, 2022 is um, not starting out much better than uh, <laughs> the uh, past couple years did. And I, I had high hopes for 2022 and then, you know. Well, we still have oh, 11 God. months to, to turn it around. This is true. So yeah, yeah no, it's, I'm good. I'm good. I'm okay. Good. So I guess whenever this, this episode will actually come out, you will have started your doctorate program. So is that program for um, kinesiology or occupational therapy? Like what, what is it? Yeah. So um, I, I actually know I've, I've started, all right, well, I've, I've been in the program already. I'll okay. start my semester. Um, gotcha. Yeah, my semester is about to start um, in a few days. But yeah, no, I've been in the program for a couple of years. So it's a doctor of science in occupational science. Okay. Is, yeah, but it's the, I'm, I'm an occupational therapist mm -hmm. and um, occupational science is kind of the science behind occupational therapy. It's the study of human occupation, which is kind of all the things that we do to make us human. So um, gotcha. uh, occupations are um, things that we do to occupy our time that have meaning to us. So it's kind of the study of what makes humans human, basically, okay. um, and like all the all the things we do socially and just as part of our lives. So like our activities of daily living, hobbies, work, all of that kind of stuff. So is it like, do you deal with any of the social and behavioral aspects of it? Or is it more so just like the motor skills, like the physical part? So it's, it's everything. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. So we're, we're a pretty, we're a more like holistic profession than I think a lot of people realize because a lot of people who've had experience with an occupational therapist have had experience in like one practice area and don't realize mm -hmm. like that we treat like across the whole lifespan from birth to elderly and um, a variety of different um, conditions, disabilities, we work with kids with special needs. We work with people who've been through strokes, spinal cord injuries, and we also um, have a pretty big basis in mental health too. We actually start, the profession started in mental health, so. Really, that is so yeah. interesting. I see, I definitely was one of the, the people that thought it was like kind of just like a one route. I didn't realize that it covered such a wide variety of, of things. Yeah, no, a lot of people don't even know what it is. So I'm, I'm glad you've actually, <laughs> you've heard of it. Um, but yeah, because, you know, we are kind of so varied, it's hard for people to realize if you've had like an experience with like someone, you know, this has gotten occupational therapy for something specific, you know, that's kind of tends to be what people think of. Yeah. But yeah. Like depending on what setting you're in. So if you're working in like a rehab facility with people who've had strokes, it is going to be like mm -hmm. a lot of the motor recovery, but um, yeah. 
that's what I think of whenever I think of occupational therapists. Yes, yeah, that's that's really common. That's like one of our more common practice areas. But yeah, if you're working in um, like a mental health facility or in community community mental health or with addiction, it's going to be a lot more like developing healthy occupations to help people's mental health and ability to oh, okay. kind of cope with society and do the things that they need to do to make their life have meaning so yeah it can be motor stuff but it, there's a lot of other things that we we do so so it could also be like forming good yes. habits yep that's yeah that's okay a big, cool. so yeah, one of our, like big um things that are our scope of practice is um like habits roles routines that's like one of our like okay. overarching things so helping people develop or um redevelop if they've had some sort of accident or injury mm -hmm. or stroke or whatever it is the habits roles and routines that are kind of part of their life so well you are already teaching me things <laughs> I thought I was was gonna learn all about therapy dogs but now I'm learning about therapy dogs and occupational therapy like there you go <laughs> you're 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 already teaching me stuff so, so tell us about Winston, your dog. Yeah, so Winston is, um, he is, well, we were told by the rescue that we got him from that he is a mix of a coonhound and an, an Australian shepherd. Um, we have not done his DNA, so we're not 100% if that's true, but he, um, he's very houndy looking. Um, if anyone listening is not one of our followers, uh, he basically looks like a big beagle. A lot of people think he mm -hmm. is a beagle. We get that literally every day. <laughs> We're like, is that a beagle? Is that a beagle mix? But he's about 50 pounds. So beagles are usually about like 25 pounds or less. So he's like twice the size of a beagle. Um, he is almost two. I don't know exactly when this is going to air, but he turns two um, in March. And we adopted him October, 2020. He was a little over six months old when we adopted him. So yeah, he comes from a rescue. He is a therapy dog as we're going to talk about. Yeah. And the best dog ever, but I am, uh, I'm a little biased. <laughs> You're biased. <laughs> Aren't we sure all? Says that about that Aren't we dog, all? So. Yeah, I, I cannot see the Aussie in him at all. We don't either, honestly. Um, but apparently the rescue got his litter, like his entire litter from a house that was like, it, it sounds like it was like a somewhat of like a hoarding situation. It was someone mm -hmm. who had a ton of dogs and all the dogs lived outside. Like most of them were chained up and he was willing to surrender only puppies to the rescue, but he had three litters of puppies that he was willing to turnover and Winston's litter was um, six months old at the time he had four siblings and apparently at least like the person whose house it was had told the rescue who their mom was and the mom was apparently yeah. an Aussie but I, I mean I don't know how reliable that is I guess we should just do a DNA yeah. one day but we you should it's actually really fun you did it for Layla right that's how you know all of her yes so we we did an embark test for Layla actually we got her results um around this time last year um I remember because we we got her results the day before her gotcha day, okay um which is coming up here soon 
And so, yeah, we've known for, for about a year now what she is, is made up of. And I would say it's like pretty accurate. Um, I mean, you know, I have, I've only done one, but I feel like I can like see all the different traits from the, the various breeds that they said it, she made it, was made up of. Um, but the, the coolest part was that we, we found her sister through doing an embark test. That's, that's the coolest part. And, you know, we like follow each other on Facebook and, and I get to see them, um, and their dog. So it's, it's really cool. She heard, uh, their dog, she is, um, I mean, really like looks just like Layla that has like, is a lot darker. Okay. You, like you could tell that they're sisters. Oh, it's, it's really cute actually. Okay. So you did say that Winston is a therapy dog and that's kind of like the main theme of this whole uh, podcast episode um, and how he has affected other people's lives by being a, a therapy dog and some of the lessons that you have learned by being a handler of a therapy dog. So just to start off, could you explain what a therapy dog is and how it's different from an emotional support animal or a service dog? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I'm glad you asked it because a lot of people um, mix all of those things up. I guess I'll start with service dog because it's kind of easier to like go from there. So like a service dog is task trained to help someone with a disability or a medical condition um, mitigate that condition somehow. So they have to be trained in um, a specific task. So for example, if someone's blind, they serve as a guide dog. Um, they can be like a seizure alert dog. They're trained to see when a seizure is coming and alert the person that they're about to have a seizure or a variety of there's mobility dogs, but it has to be a specific task for the handler's disability. Um, and service dogs have public access rights. They can go into stores that are not dog friendly with the handler. They're considered medical equipment. So they're not subject to the same laws about where pets are allowed to be. And then an emotional support dog, it's also for the handler. And it, an emotional support dog supports the handler who has usually like depression or anxiety and they do serve as a pet legally in almost every situation. They are a pet. Um, however, in um, housing, they have rights beyond what a pet would have. So, um, and I do believe there is like private, like a private landlord can deny an emotional support animal, but like public housing and like most like public apartment buildings, if the person who has the emotional support dog has documentation from a doctor that having that dog with them is essential for their mental well-being, then they can have that dog even if the building is not supposed to be pet friendly. And they used to be able to fly on airlines with the handler if you know they have a lot of anxiety about flying, but very recently, um, there's been laws kind of cracking down on that. So really the only thing that an emotional support animal is allowed to do that just a regular pet isn't is housing as of right now, but they are providing gotcha. an emotional service to yes. that person. They just don't have to be trained in a specific task. And then um, therapy dogs are not for the handler. The therapy dogs are providing a service for other people. 
So there, and okay. therapy dogs don't have any public access rights when they're not providing therapy. So they can't go into any stores that aren't pet friendly. So if someone tries to walk into like a restaurant and says, oh, my dog's a therapy dog, like they're lying. <laughs> they're not really a therapy dog handler or they are, and they're trying to pass off their therapy dog as a service mm -hmm. dog. And you can lose your therapy certification for that. Um, but so the purpose of therapy dogs is to provide comfort and joy and happiness to people in the community. They can work in places like hospitals, which we, we go to a hospital, uh, nursing homes, rehab facilities, airports, libraries, schools. There's like a, a wide variety of places therapy dogs can go. And um, they're only allowed there if they're invited to do therapy. Yeah, the place isn't usually pet friendly. If they are inviting that dog there to do therapy, then obviously they are allowed there at that time. And they can also do um, like animal assisted therapy for like social workers, occupational therapists, um, physical therapists, mm -hmm. and like be involved in treatment sessions. Um, but they're not necessarily trained in a specific task. They're just there to make people happy, <laughs> basically. Okay. So, so just to, to recap, so therapy dog, comfort for other people, emotional support animal, comfort for the handler, service dog, perform specific tasks. Yes, that was a really good summary. I'm a rambler. I'm glad that you were able to say <laughs> that a lot more. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so what kind of like certification did you have to go through for, for therapy dogs? Yeah, so we're certified through the organization Alliance of Therapy Dogs. So each organization mm -hmm. has slightly different qualifications, um, but we needed to pass a certification test in which he had to display um, some basic obedience skills, nothing too intense, but he had to be able to walk with a loose leash. He has to listen to my directions. He has to um, accept a friendly stranger and allow a friendly stranger to greet him and pet him and interact with him without showing any over exuberance or aggression or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. He has to be able to be in the presence of another dog so like part of the test is another dog has to kind of walk by and he has to stay with me and not go lunging over to the other dog or like have a big reaction. And having a friendly temperament is the most important thing. So the obedience doesn't have to be absolutely perfect. They just have to be able to behave in public and you know, follow yeah. basic commands and not be running amok <laughs> in whatever place they're mm -hmm. doing therapy at. Um, but yeah, being very friendly and able to be social and interact with people is the most important thing that they look at. Um, some other organizations have some other qualifications, but for Alliance of Therapy Dogs, that certification test. Plus they have to be cleared by a vet and uh, make sure that they're healthy and free of parasites and all of that. Okay, so basically a therapy dog needs to be a very extroverted dog. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which some dogs aren't. Some dogs, you know, like uh, some dogs are like me and you're, they're an introvert and they like to go and say hello to people for a few minutes and then like to come back home and, and do their own tasks by themselves and comfort themselves. Yeah, they have to enjoy Whereas the my, presence of other people. I mean, they yeah. don't necessarily have to be like super extroverted. Like there's, there's different 
variations of a personality of an ideal therapy dog, right? And so like some of them are just like really calm and, you know, just okay, can, yeah. that can just lay there and anyone can kind of pet on them. Um, but yeah, being able to have lots of strangers petting them is pretty much uh, important. So if they don't enjoy that. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's big. What is Winston like? Is he very calm? Is he like tail wagging, friendly, happy? Yeah, so he um, he is very excitable and energetic because he's, he's a young dog like I don't know how he's going to end up growing mm-hmm. up to be but he's he's only not even two so he's you know mm-hmm. he's he's a pretty energetic dog um we get a lot of compliments about how calm he is especially when people hear how old he is because we got we actually got certified for therapy right after his first birthday so he was pretty young so, um, you know, when people hear how old he is, like, wow, he's so calm. Yeah, he's definitely like a tail wagger. Like, we always have to work on kind of reining in his excitability with greetings mm-hmm. and such. And um, that was always like my biggest fear that if he was going to fail the test, that that, <laughs> that might be what yeah. it is. Because he, he, does, he does get pretty excited when he sees people. So that was one of the things that we really had to work on in training was not jumping all over people, like not getting too excited. But yeah, he's, he's a, he's a real friendly guy. (laughs) I bet it makes, especially kids, I bet it makes kids so happy to see a dog tail wagging, like just super friendly. Yeah. And he Um, loves, I feel like, I feel like it would, it would be like, it would make me happy to see a dog happy. Um, But I understand on your side of the fence, you're like, oh, I need my dog to be a little bit calmer so he doesn't like jump on someone and and, and potentially, you know, knock something over or knock someone. Yeah. Totally especially, understand that part too. Especially in the <laughs> hospital because people have like IVs in yeah. and people like, and you know, we're, we're not allowed to know what the patient's in there for. Like they could have just had mm-hmm. surgery. Like we don't, we don't know. So he can't just, you know. <laughs> he can't just do whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did you determine that he would be a good therapy yeah, That's dog? a good question. So um, I basically always wanted to train a therapy dog. That was like one of my life goals. So um, when we were looking to adopt a dog, that was like, I really wanted a dog that I felt like would probably make a good therapy dog, but it, it's so hard to make that determination. I kind of think we got lucky. Like, like, I just have a feeling about him. Like I had like an intuition yeah, and you know, it could have not worked out and that would have been very unfortunate. Luckily it did work out when we met him. He was just so friendly, like even talking to his fosters about what his personality was like, like he had basically lived, he had lived his first six months outside, like a ton of different dogs Mm -hmm. and probably not a lot of human interaction, but his foster said that he like took to the house immediately and he such like a snuggle bug and like cuddling up on the couch and just like so sweet and social and curious about the world and like excited to learn and just like loved being with people and like wanted to sleep in their bed at night and um <laughs> yeah but he like just kind of took to them right away and he had like no qualms about going home with us like he jumped right in our car he's like oh you guys are my people oh you're going to take me <laughs> you're gonna take me home sounds good like he didn't take any time to like adjust to us like he he was just like we we're complete strangers right and he was like oh, okay yeah you can take me home like he he just loves everybody 
And my, my mother-in-law had, um, had a pretty big loss a few months after we had adopted him, um, her, her husband passed and she came and stayed with us for a few months. And that was, I think when we like really knew that he was going to be really like, we, we had already started obedience training because I'm like, you know, let's start obedience training right away and really make sure we give him that foundation. But we didn't really know if like he was going to be cut out for at work. Yeah. It, it was like a goal to work towards. Yeah. And like, even if it didn't work out, like the skills that you were teaching him were still like really good skills for, for everyone. Yeah, and that's exactly what I said to the trainer. I'm like, if this doesn't, if the therapy thing doesn't work out, like at least we'll just have like a really well-trained dog. But mm-hmm. his interactions with my mother-in-law when she came and stayed with us after, you know, she was, you know, going through a really rough time and he just knew like he seemed to just understand intuitively, like this person needs me, this person um, just needs, needs love and needs snuggles. And he mm-hmm. just like attached to her and like their relationship was so amazing. Like she was with us, I think for about two months and mm-hmm. like he was just so amazing with her. Like he just always wanted to be with her and snuggle with her and like he could just that like he just seemed to have a sense that she was someone that needed his love and like just right away he was like okay this person needs me and like when we would all like my husband and me and my mother-in-law would like all like sit down to watch tv he would go right to her and like sit on her lap like he and he he knew and he like really you know helped her get through a really rough time and was like I think this is like I think he definitely like he just he used to have a sense about people and even other dogs, like he seems to be able to tell how to adjust his play style, depending on like what kind of dog he's playing with. Like he's like super friendly with other dogs, like loves to play and wrestle. But like we watched my friend's um, very senior lab also like um, right before he ended up getting certified in therapy work. And he could tell that like okay well, this dog's old and like I can't jump on him like he just knew like we were worried we were gonna have to like he yeah. stayed with us for a week and like managed yeah, we're like okay we're gonna have to keep him separated like because he's gonna jump all over him and no he like got it right away and he's like okay he just wow. lays around but I want to be near him so he would like bring a toy and like lay down next to him and like he was so calm around him like he just like seems to get it so that like what an amazing trait. I, I, I lucked out. Like, I really wanted to have a therapy dog. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I kind of just got, like, the perfect dog that just gets, like, he just gets it. Yeah, he, um, it reminds me, like, a trend on TikTok right now is, like, I'm an empath. And then it, it kind of makes fun of empaths. But it got me thinking, like, you know, like, I Googled, you know, what what is an empath? Like, what does it mean? Like, all this and you know it's it's just like someone who's who can sense things from other people and is like super empathetic and that's like what you're kind of saying Winston is. yeah that yeah I guess that's a really good description yeah he is like kind of an empath like he he just he gets it like he can tell like oh this person's had a bad day or like oh this person needs me to be really gentle with them or oh this mm. person's like a kid and is excitable and like I can be a little more energetic because like it's a kid and like I don't know he just yeah seems, uh, he seems to get people and like emotions and that is just it's so amazing like it's because for I mean I'm just speaking from my own experience with Layla she 
a person is a person, like no matter their age. And so she is like, like she thinks that the same way that she can play with me and Bobby is like the same way that she could play with my grandma. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, no, like you can't do that. <laughs> um, and so like she she does not have that okay. sense that you were talking about, like that Winston has. I don't think most dogs do. Like our our previous dog definitely did not think. She, yeah, like she, we always had to be careful with her and like little kids because she wouldn't understand that they're like a small human and like she mm-hmm. can knock them over really easily. Like, yeah, that's how Layla is. It like also makes me really think about how there are breeders who breed specifically for therapy dogs, and it's just like amazing to me that like, and no, no offense against mutts, but like, you know, there are, there are breeders that breed specifically for these traits. And then, like you said, you lucked out by getting an, a breed mix and it had all these like perfect traits to be a really good therapy. Yeah, no, you're, it's, it's actually interesting that you said that because when we were, you know, looking to get a dog, um, our, old dog passed in 2020 and so you know we we knew we wanted to get another dog and since I had always wanted to train a therapy dog I did like a lot of research before even getting a dog and I like talked to some trainers and um, people at the therapy dog organizations and yeah I did have a trainer that was like you definitely want a purebred like you want to get like a golden or a lab that you know has that temperament and, yeah, and like the genetics. The yeah, pedigree. I did talk to like some people at therapy dog organizations that were like, no, we do. We have a lot of like mutts and rescues and like, you know, any dog can be a therapy dog. Like, yeah, it's probably easier if you do get like a dog that is kind of bred. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard of a lot of like golden litters that have like a lot of therapy dogs like in their lineage and um, that the breeder does like try to breed for those traits um but I don't know my heart was definitely in rescue so I just decided to try it (laughs) um oh heck yeah and I mean it worked out perfectly I feel like this is such a good example of you know letting the world know that you don't have to buy a three thousand dollar purebred dog if you want to try out a rescue kind of yeah thing. for sure rescue dogs can be therapy dogs 100%. not saying uh yeah not saying go to like a really cheap breeder I'm just saying if you would like to rescue you could get the same outcome um if you if you put your work into it and I mean regardless of where you get the dog from you're still gonna have to do like all the same obedience training and probably the leash training I, I mean I I know plenty of goldens that came from breeders that still have like leash reactivity it's still something that they have to work through so I think it's a it's a really good really good thing to point out so you said earlier like you take Winston to hospitals nursing homes um like rehabs I think what you said yeah um, yeah, like that's like what a therapy dogs in general can work at yeah we we haven't done nursing homes or rehab facilities at least yeah okay Um, but sorry, go ahead. Okay, perfect. Back. So, so what are the the places that you have brought him to, and what is the effect that he has on other people? And you can kind of say like generally, or if you want to like bring up a certain 
or like a specific example, go, go for right. it. So yeah, we primarily go to um, our local hospital. Um, that's like our kind of like our like most regular spot we go every week. Yeah, I, I just love bringing him there. I would say the biggest effect that he has just in general is like he just brightens the mood. Like, especially during COVID, I feel like healthcare mm-hmm. workers are so stressed out that like just seeing a dog walk in, like just instantly changes changes the room. And so um, because of COVID restrictions, we've actually gone back and forth between being able to visit patients and only being able to visit with staff. And unfortunately, actually okay. right now we're, we're on a little hiatus because of the Omicron surge. We're not allowed to visit mm-hmm. at all, but I think as soon as next week, they said we might be able to get back, but we've, we've kind of been on hiatus for a couple of weeks, but um, actually more like a month, unfortunately. But um, yeah, <laughs> like the restrictions keep changing. So sometimes he's allowed to go to patient rooms and sometimes he's only allowed to visit with the staff, but even just the staff, like they just, they light up when he comes in and he'll, um, yeah. the person that works the front desk is like his BFF. And that's, and like, <laughs> that's where he like makes a beeline, like, probably not being uh as good on the leash <laughs> as he's supposed to be behind the desk like what's that and he just yeah. like comes running and he goes behind the desk and he like plays with his buddy and that man's always like thank you so much for bringing him in Aww. and like yeah like he'll go like behind the nurse's station and like everyone's just so much like everyone just smiles and like they're like, oh, wow, I was having such a rough shift. Like, thank you so much. And, you know, when he is able to visit patients, kind of the same thing, like their face, just like their whole demeanor changes. Like I see a dog walk in and they just, like, you can just tell, even if, you know, we're only visiting for a couple of minutes, like we made their night better. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, like seeing, seeing Winston could literally be the best part of their day or the best part of their week. Yeah. And like, we, we've been told that. So like, I, I love, you know, I love when people say that, like, oh man, like you just, yeah, you made my whole day. And and even, um, so right before Christmas was when we had to stop visiting and I felt terrible because I'm like, this is like the worst time for like them not to have a therapy dog. So I like immediately mm-hmm. went to action and made Christmas cards from him and like printed them off in Walmart and then went and like brought them to the hospital. And I made one for like every unit, like that had his picture. So like happy holidays and like had like pictures of him Aww. at the hospital and stuff. And um, like a security guard, like walked me around to every unit and like even just like delivering his Christmas card. Like, and I went on Christmas Eve. So like everyone was working Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. in the middle of this Omicron surge and like just his Christmas card. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like this made me so happy. So like even just seeing his picture, like just made made a difference. So yeah, he he makes people happy and that's that's what it's all about. So for sure. It makes me smile, like thinking about it. I think it's, it's really, really such a, cool and sweet thing that that you do. So switching over a little bit into more about like you and kind of your handler style um, for for therapy dogs or just like a handler, dog handler in general, dog owner in general, what kind of pressures or responsibilities do you undergo with being a therapy dog handler? Yeah, so yeah, that's a a good question. So I 
always want to make it a positive experience for everyone. And um, yeah, that that's that's definitely something that like I just feel a lot of pressure about um, because you know you can't really control a dog, right? Like you can train a dog and try to set them up for success, but like you can't actually control their actions, you know. And mm -hmm. um, I do always worry about that that like he's going to do something that like like he's not supposed to do you know because like he it's like dogs yeah. make mistakes like that's you know that's life and I feel like I do put a lot of pressure on myself to kind of make sure he's perfect which is ridiculous <laughs> if you think about it like you know no no dog is perfect and no person is perfect um but I really wanted to make it a good experience for him and for everyone involved and like a lot of things kind of will come up that I won't even I wouldn't have even thought about in advance that I just mm -hmm. want I want him to you know enjoy the experience as well and like there were there were some things that have come up like I never realized that like hand sanitizer should be something that we should do training around until we started working at the hospital and he is very like sensitive to the smell of hand sanitizer. And I felt terrible about it because like I had never like considered that in advance that a lot of people before petting him, they'll put on hand sanitizer because, you know, they don't want to put germs on him or whatever, but they'll like put on very strong hand sanitizer and then put their hands towards his face. And that would be like very off-putting to him. And I and I couldn't figure it out either at yeah. first because I'm like, he's so friendly and he loves people. And like people petting him is literally his favorite thing in the world. And he's acting like he's afraid of people coming at him. Like, and he like, isn't wanting people to pet him. And so then like, I felt terrible because I'm like, well, am I making the wrong choice? Like, does mm -hmm. he not like this? Like, I don't want to make him do this if he doesn't like it. And I realized, I think it was actually my husband that was like, well, maybe it's the hand sanitizer. Like maybe he either thinks that they're trying to put it on, like he sees them put something on their hands that doesn't smell good and then reach towards yeah. him. Or maybe it's just like such a strong smell. The smell. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, you're right. And then I tried to just see if I could like not have people, because we were originally, uh, like we were kind of told to encourage people to put on hand sanitizer first. So I'm like, I wonder if I don't encourage it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I hope the person who... Uh, <laughs> who's in charge doesn't doesn't hear me say that but um and then I notice I'm like oh the people who don't put on hand sanitizer right away he doesn't have that reaction to so then I was able to kind of advocate for him and kind of set him up for success in that and that like if I did see someone put on hand sanitizer I would be able to let them know like hey he is really sensitive to it so maybe come around and like scratch his butt first as it like dissipates Mm -hmm. and before you like put your hands near his face and it kind of just like was a game changer where I was either able to not encourage people to do it or if people wanted to do it anyway I was able to kind of just like change the scenario so it wasn't causing him stress and like that was just something like I would have mm -hmm. never thought about so I, I I'm always just striving to kind of make it a positive experience for everyone you know that 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 can that can be a lot. Like, I just, I want, I want to enjoy it. I want him to yeah. enjoy it. I want everyone else to enjoy it. And, you know, I think I've put him in some scenarios that were maybe not the greatest that, like, I maybe necessarily didn't mm -hmm. think through, like, all aspects of it. And, you know, it's been a learning experience for both of us. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm just kind sure. of learning kind of what situations he does best in and then what certain things that can happen within a therapy visit that could make it maybe not the best experience and then how to advocate to make it a better experience for everyone that, you know, I want my dog to be safe. I want the people to be safe and I want him to be happy mm-hmm. and I want him to enjoy it. Um, Cause you wouldn't be doing it. If yeah. You and I don't ever want it. that. Like, I don't ever want, you know, him, like, obviously mm-hmm. it is his job, like, but I don't want it to feel like this, like thing that he has to do that he's not yeah. going to enjoy. So like this right, forced right thing yeah for sure I feel like kind of as you were explaining that the scenario of um, the hand sanitizer and like not being able to figure it out or just like going and and managing everything in general that would cause me a lot of overthinking and anxiety in the moment and afterwards like I would come home and like lay in bed at night and be like what is it that is causing him to do this And then I would think and think and think and think and think. So I'm sure you like probably went through some of that as well. So I'm curious to know if you're like showing some signs of like overthinking or anxiety while you're at a therapy visit, does he pick up on that? Yes, for sure. Because he is like, that's a double-edged sword with him, right? Like he's so perceptive, which makes him a great therapy dog. But also, yeah, if I'm anxious, (laughs) he picks up on that and- yeah, I definitely, I realized that. And like, there was one particular visit that I really kind of realized that he was picking up on my anxiety because I, I do, I do definitely overthink it for sure. And I definitely like, mm-hmm. I have come home and like, yeah, like that was not the greatest, like, like experience. Like what, what did we do wrong? Like what, what happened? And then, yeah, sometimes not just after, but like in the moment I will like start to get like kind of frustrated yeah. and he he also, he, he's such like a pleaser that he doesn't want to do anything wrong. Like Mm -hmm. if he feels like he's doing something wrong and also if he feels like I'm upset, like he, his definitely his demeanor changes. Like, um, so we went Mm -hmm. to a college, um, during their midterms week and we actually went to two different colleges, like almost back to back day. I think there was like a few days in between them. And like one college we went to it was like such a good experience. Um, it was like this, I think it was like the psychology club when, and it was like one room and everyone mm-hmm. kind of sat around the room and he came in and he could just like kind of go around and see everyone and everyone kind of just stayed sitting on the floor and he went around and it was great and he did so well. And then I went to another college and they set up the visit very differently. Like I didn't even think to ask questions. I didn't think to I just didn't do my research in advance and like ask more about what they mm-hmm. expected of him um, and what the, what the event was going to look like. And I felt like this was totally my fault because we showed up at this college and it was out on a field and there was like 10 other therapy dogs. And he, while he had to be able to be like neutral around another dog to pass his test. And that's something we've done a lot of training around is like when he can play with Mm -hmm. other dogs and when he has to be neutral he loves other dogs and his experience like he'd only ever done therapy Mm -hmm. indoors like primarily the hospital but you know we've done some other like one-off things like the other college and we've done a couple other little things here and there and like his experience with therapy is we're in like we're in some sort of building and all of our training for therapy work 
was going to dog-friendly stores. And so it was always inside. When he's outside in a big field, especially with other dogs, it's usually like a park that he gets to play. Yeah, yeah so lots like of distractions. And he, thinks he gets to play with all these other dogs. And I was hoping, you know, putting his therapy vest on would like be enough. And it clearly wasn't. And he just wanted to play with the other dogs. And he he was barking and I like couldn't get him calm. And he, and then also they just kind of let college kids come in like these huge groups and like, yes, exactly. So like I like swarms. tried to like lay him, like I brought, <laughs> I, um, I bring this towel with me to therapy work. That's like his place. And so like, I tried to like lay him on his towel yeah. and like have him go into place and like tried to calm him. And then these like huge swarms of college kids were coming like literally like 20 kids would come up in a group and just surround him. And he could see like 10 other dogs and he was not, like, it was not going well. And he, yes, yeah, he was over just over aroused. I was so anxious that like, he wasn't doing a good job. Like, why would he do a good job? Like, mm-hmm. like it was my fault, you know, like, uh, yeah. like why, why would he understand that he was supposed to be doing therapy when we've never done any training? Why would he understand the expectations of that event? Cause I didn't teach it to him. And I, I didn't do my research to set yeah. him up for success. So like, he seemed to know, like I'm doing something wrong, but like, he clearly didn't understand what he was doing wrong. Like he was in a field with other dogs. He yeah. just didn't make the association that he was supposed to be doing therapy work. And then I just kept getting more anxious. And then he was like very, like, he was clearly like wondering why I was anxious. And that was making him anxious. Cause it's like, yeah, <laughs> I think like that, that experience specifically just like could teach you so much learning how to cope yourself. So like whenever you do get in that stressful moment, like you're able to kind of like calm yourself down and cope a little bit um and then like help your dog um I feel like it teaches you a really good lesson on like having good communication skills with your dog so that you know you could you could like verbally or like physically tell them like you know you're doing a good job like I feel like that's where like markers come in or like them picking up on your body language I feel like that experience just just that one could like no, teach you so much. It, it did, <laughs> and like, yeah, and he, like, I just, yeah. I felt terrible about the whole thing. Like he, because he was definitely picking up on my body language, and my body language was like, I am upset, and I, I had to calm myself down in order to be able to calm him down, and so I just, I took a break, mm-hmm. and like we just went off on a walk, and I had to kind of just like breathe and chill and like I let him sniff like I got him out of yeah. sight of like all the other dogs and like the swarms of college students and like I had to breathe like I had to like get in my like headspace because I knew mm-hmm. that I was just making it yeah. so much worse and in order to like calm him down and give him clear communication about what I was expecting from him I could not be in this like anxious like upset frustrated state because like no, I wasn't doing anyone a good service. Like I, yeah, no. you weren't doing a, any justice to to anyone. Yeah. I like, I used to feel like that constantly with Layla whenever I, she was like really, like really reactive um, and fearful. And it's like, this was probably like this time last year, she was really reactive and fearful. And I just like, really like I, I had done like basic obedience training with her, but in terms of like 
truly working on like communication with her or like trust and like being able to kind of like read each other we hadn't done a lot of that and so and and just in general like I would get so like overwhelmed and anxious in the moment if she was like triggered by something or like I thought like maybe she would react like I would kind of start to anticipate a reaction from her and I would get anxious and then it would cause her to like get more anxious or be like alert like what what's mom doing like what's she looking at why is she like clutching up on the yeah. leash kind of thing like I feel like that's that's one of the reasons that I, I preach like take care of yourself because taking care of yourself is like a huge part in taking care of your dog and being able to like guide them to the best of yeah your like ability. we're communicating without even realizing it I think you know like yeah just like you said like tensing up on the yeah. leash or like like they can read that like so much like they because you know dogs I mean obviously they bark but I don't think their barking is really their primary mm-hmm. like their primary communication like they're big on <laughs> yeah. body language like that's how dogs kind of communicate with each other and you know they I think they all dogs like not just like Winston being like a therapy dog and being able to like really yeah not yeah, just Winston not just, like, being the, an yeah, not just the empath in him I think <laughs> all all dogs really pick up on you know our signals and if they think we're stressed about something then they think there's a reason to be stressed like I know like our trainer Mm -hmm. had said like he was kind of scared of cars when we got him because he um he's from a really rural area in southern Virginia and his fosters live in a pretty rural area too and we're in like a very like suburban area like we're in a townhouse neighborhood where there's you know a lot of people and cars like very close together and he was very scared of cars right like we would go on a walk like if a car would go by he would like jump like all the way to the other side of the sidewalk and you know and our trainer was like well when he does that like what do you do (laughs) and I was like well I'm like oh it's okay Mm -hmm. like you know like and she's like well why you doing that like he's seeing like oh there's a reason to be scared of this because my mom looks like she's worried too Mm -hmm. so like she's like just trying to be like very neutral just be like it's okay and like don't react and it worked like that like like immediately yes. he wasn't scared and it, it's been like that with like anything you know that he but yeah like I I would say that I was just as reactive as she was reactive to to yeah. certain things you know what I and, mean and like that you know that just becomes a vicious cycle so like if they react and then you react to their reaction yeah. then then they're like, oh, okay. Oh my well, gosh, I guess yeah. This is the right reaction because like mom's all worked up about this too. And if you're just like super calm, you're just like, it's okay. It's just a car. Like, and he was also, he was scared of like a lot of indoor noises, like motor sounds, um, like the blender, the mm-hmm. printer, the vacuum. And if you're like, if he yeah. starts freaking out and you're like, oh baby, like, you know, <laughs> like he's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, this is a scary thing. And if you're just like, it's okay. It's just a vacuum. Like, and, and if he looks at you and he sees that, like, you're not scared of it, he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess, I guess I don't need to be scared. And it's, like, the same thing that I experience in therapy work when, like, I'm starting to get really stressed about a situation. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, well, she's stressed, so this is stressful. Like, yeah. And then Should it I just be, snowballs. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a cycle. Sure. So, like, if I can get myself calm and it, just take control of the situation and be like, well, what can I do to make this better um, instead of just 
like this is terrible like this is going badly <laughs> um, yeah yeah yeah, so lots to think about, it sounds like. And, and, and when, it, when it goes into handling expectations and, and planning for things. So, but from what it seems like, I feel like you've learned a lot and you've been able to take what you've learned and process it and apply it. So now, like, would you say that you are in like a better place or feel more prepared as a therapy dog handler yeah. after... I yeah, guess after almost, a year of doing it, you've been yeah, doing almost it for a year, a year um, now. He was certified in April of last year. So yeah, well, in a couple months, it'll, it'll be a year. Yeah. I've learned a lot more than I ever expected to learn really. And like one of the top things I guess I learned is also that like, just because he got his therapy dog certification and he passed the test and he has the right temperament from the for, for the work doesn't mean that he's automatically going to be the perfect therapy dog for every single possible scenario and setting that therapy dogs can work in. Kind of ludicrous to think that he would be like that, like every single mm-hmm. place would be like the perfect place for him. Cause there are many different therapy dogs out there with like different personalities and like just because he's yeah. a therapy dog and another dog's a therapy dog doesn't mean that they're both going to be perfect in the exact same situation. And I guess mm-hmm. I kind of had that like not misconception, but just like like I just wasn't in touch with it. I'm like, well, you know, he he certified and like so we can we can go anywhere therapy dogs can go. Right. You can so do like, anything. I just really gotten <laughs> to know myself as a handler and him as a therapy dog that like to know kind of what situations he's going to be best in and to cater towards his strengths. Like I know in general, like he is not going to be his best self now on a field outside with a bunch of dogs, but also (laughs) he definitely will do better in situations where he is the only dog. Like when he absolutely has to, I can get him to focus on other dogs, but that's not his ideal situation. Like he's always going to be Mm -hmm. doing better not in a, at an event where there's a ton of different therapy dogs where he's the only dog or if there is another therapy dog there that they're like in different rooms for example well and if there's other dogs there then he's I not guess the that's true. Of we, <laughs> that's not that fair to him <laughs> that's not, yeah that's not fair to him <laughs> okay we have two more questions left what is your favorite part about being a therapy dog team a good with Winston? Um, I think I said that's every question. <laughs> um, I <laughs> just watching the interactions of him with other people and what that brings to the other person um, and him as well. Like, uh, I just really enjoy being able to watch him make someone's day and watch him bring someone else joy and you know I I also Mm -hmm. just from like a selfish perspective too like I get to meet a whole lot of different people that I might not have met and talk to the people because that was also something I probably like didn't really think as much about before we actually started is that well like you're you're there too (laughs) and like you're not really the one providing therapy which as an occupational therapist like I usually am (laughs) the one actually like working with the person Mm -hmm. but like he's the one working with the person but like I'm there too and like they want to talk to me too 
And so I get the opportunity to interact with a lot of people and get to hear their stories. Like everyone wants to tell me about their dog um, or, you know, if they don't have a dog, their grandchildren's dog Mm -hmm. or a dog that they knew, like everyone has a story about a dog to tell me. So I've got to hear more stories about more dogs than I ever imagined, which I love. (laughs) I I love hearing about everyone's dogs at home and you know, all the, all their positive experiences that they've had with dogs. So I really enjoy interacting with the people too, and just kind of bringing some positivity, especially with the world right now. Like, like we've gone to colleges, colleges is a really stressful setting right now, like in general, but right now hospitals are a really Mm -hmm. stressful and difficult place for both the patients that are hospitalized and the staff that works there again, especially now. So we've kind of, you know, we've got to bring a little yeah. light to a dark time and you know, just make people smile. And For that, sure. that's really been my favorite part. And like getting to know Winston on a different level than I think that I would have just as his dog mom. Yeah. That like getting okay. to see him in these situations mm-hmm. and yeah. go through the training together and go through the visits together and just really learn how to best advocate for him and what he needs and you know it's it's just yeah it's been a really great experience so I said like five favorite things (laughs) (laughs) it's okay (laughs) it's okay it does sound just so fulfilling and it would like it would make me feel like I was truly helping people and making a difference in the world which I think is so special that and I'm sure that's yeah, probably how you feel for too. Sure. Um, and it's just, it's just such a special feeling. And I like noticed while you were saying all of that, I was like, oh, she said that like Winston's job is therapy and her job is therapy. So like technically her and her dog have true. the same job. <laughs> and one day I'd really like him to like come work with me and kind of be my therapy sidekick. Um, and actually like that kind of be my yeah. OT assistant, but yeah, you're right. I guess we're both therapists. <laughs> hey, that would be fun. Yeah, that would be really fun. Okay. So last but not least to, to wrap it up, what does having a dog this mom is the question that I am least prepared for probably. So I'm, I'm going to wing it. Like that's such a hard question. You know? <laughs> wing um, it. <laughs> yeah. So to be like being I feel like you've had other guests that have kind of said, and I, I try not to listen to what other guests have said, like too close, because I do listen to your podcast, but like too close to what I'm talking to, yes. I don't want to have any of their answers <laughs> in my head. So being a dog mom, like to me, that doesn't mean like you're necessarily like saying that your dog is equal to a child and that you're not necessarily a mom in the same way that mm-hmm. you would be a mom to a child, but it's kind of putting yourself in mm-hmm. a more of like a caretaking and relationship role than just saying like you're a dog owner. I feel like being, if you say like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm a dog owner. Well, that's technically true. It, it doesn't really get at the full value and the full like relationship that being a caretaker of this dog and kind of being a partner of this dog in this world like it doesn't really capture the full value to say that you're an owner like your dog isn't necessarily like your possession like your dog is a living breathing Mm -hmm. creature that has needs and has a personality and you it's your job to kind of be there 
be their guardian and to show them how to experience the world and like you you control a lot of how they experience the world and yep. like, you're responsible for making that a positive experience for everyone like not just in therapy but just in general in you know you a dog mom mentality is like you know you, you just <laughs> I, it's just like a different way to think about dog ownership it's it's not just like sure. oh, okay this is my this is my dog they live in my house and I feed them it's like really meeting their needs and forming a relationship with them and a bond and just not thinking about them as like something that you have but like no, that's something perfect. that you care for yeah and it's it, it's not a kid but it's it's a a creature for sure like I've been thinking about like dogma mentality and it's like it's so much to explain like it's so much but so little at the same time like I feel like like some people for them it could be like a one-worder like confidence or relationship or partner um or love but on the other hand you know it's like taking on the responsibility of a dog that will jump all over you whenever you want or whatever they want to get <laughs> to get your attention <laughs> And um, it can be so much and, and so little at the same time. For those of you listening, she is like demanding that she rest her head on me at least. Have some sort of body part on me. She's sassy, y'all. She I love sassy. her. She's so cute. <laughs> okay, but, <laughs> okay, but this has been a fabulous interview, I think. I think it's been super informative. I loved learning about therapy dogs, but then also about your personal experience as a therapy dog handler and a bit more about Winston. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on and thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah, you so thank much you for so having much. me. This was really fun. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope I you have. I think you talked oh, about yay, good, 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 good. I'm so glad to hear that. Me too, me too. And I think everyone listening will, will really value from this, this conversation. Oh, thank you. So thank you again. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Dog Mom Mentality Podcast. My name is Caroline. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Dog Mom Mentality. And if you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And if nothing else, I hope you get to play with your dog today. Mm-hmm.